Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. If you're visiting today, we're in a series titled, What If? And this is an amazingly powerful question. It's changed history. Uh, Thomas Jefferson asked the question, what if we could illuminate the world? And we are sitting right now in the answer to his question, and he changed history. And I went home last night after church, and it's dark, and I turned the lights on in my, in my house, and they're on in the backyard, the front yard, and all of that's a result of one man asking the question, what if? And this series is all about us asking the question, what if concerning spiritual truths? And today is lesson number three, and it's real simple. What if we saw our problems from God's perspective? I'm convinced it would change everything about our lives. I'm convinced it would bring peace to our hearts. And I'm also convinced it would push fear out of our lives. What if we could see our problems from God's perspective? I remember all my kids, uh, I taught them how to swim. We had this above ground pool in our backyard when my children were growing up. And um, it was like three and a half feet all the way across. And um, my daughter, Michelle, who was number three, first daughter, uh, she was terrified of the water. I mean, absolutely terrified. And she'd stand on the deck and I'd be standing in there. Water is only up to my waist. And I'd say, come on, honey. She's like two years old, three years old. Come on, honey, I'll hold you. And, and she, it took her days to just be able to come into my arms. And then I, what I would do to help her is I'd say, honey, look at I'm standing in this. It's only to hear it. There's no way for you to drown. And I would help her see it from my perspective So finally she gets into my arms. And then I'd say, let's get your feet wet. And she'd be afraid, she'd be terrified. No, I don't wanna get my feet wet. And so I try to tell her, I'm gonna just bend down and and you can't drown, daddy can't drown, daddy's holding you. And she'd eventually let me do it. And I walked her through with that process all the way to dog paddling, then to swimming. And it took time, but the thing that took the fear out of her life was me helping her see that event from my perspective. And that's what God wants to do in every single one of our lives. When problems hit our lives, it's like me standing in that swimming pool. And to us sometimes, like it was to my daughter, Michelle, it's like, that's intimidating. This water can cover my head. This can take me out. And so she's fearful. She's thinking it through. And we do that often with our problems. And if we look at them just from our perspective, it can really shake our lives up. And we can wonder, where's God When is God going to show up? Why did this happen? And all those types of questions. So as I began to prepare for this, a thought came to me. And and the thought was really, really powerful. It was life-changing. And it goes like this. God sees our problems as an opportunity. And then I had five opportunities that I just jotted down. And I thought I'll have to go and find scriptures for them. But just thought of five opportunities. God sees our problems as an opportunity. That's a new way to look at our problems. And so take some of the problems in your life and and make a decision today. I'm going to walk out of this service and I'm going to begin to see these problems as an opportunity. So when God sees your problems, his perspective is this is an opportunity. The first thing that God sees is God sees our problems as an opportunity to be there for us. And that's really important. Uh, Oftentimes we're crying out for God to come and he's already there. And a Bible story comes to mind that's so powerful and it will really encourage you. Many of you know it. Some of you, it'd be like the first time you're hearing it. Many of you have already 
uh, understood some of these perspectives. So I just hope to take you to another level. Others, brand new, exciting day. Some of you may not be Christians, but this is another great reason to accept Christ and become a Christian because God sees problems for Christians as an opportunity, number one, to be there for us. So here's the story. We'll read some verses in a moment, but it's in 2 Kings. And the bad guy in the story is the king of Aram. Aram was a nation, and the king of Aram decided to attack Israel. So our good guys are the king of Israel and this prophet named Elisha. So the king of Aram made this decision, I'm going to attack Israel, and now the king of Israel is in trouble. The king of Aram has a powerful country, but the king of Israel has an advantage. This king of Aram would make these plans, and he would decide on how to ambush the Israeli armies. And as he made all those decisions, God would show the prophet Elisha. Elisha would take the plans to the king, and the king of Israel would come back, and he would ambush the king of Aram on his ambush. And it happened several times, and the king of Aram is so upset that he thinks the only way this can happen is there has to be a spy in my leadership. And so he's trying to figure out who's my spy, and he wants to put one of his leaders to death. And one of the leaders say, oh, no, it's not us, man. There's this prophet Elisha, and he tells the king everything you say in secret. And so the king of Aram decides, he decides, hey, I want to go steal him, and I'm going to bring him back, and I'm either going to turn him to my side, or I'm going to kill this guy. So he finds out where he lives. They surround this house at night. They bring thousands of soldiers, even with chariots. So here's the armies of Aram circling this little bitty house. And then in the morning, Elisha, who stays there with his one servant, they walk out of the house, and they see these thousands of soldiers with chariots to boot. And it's amazing what happens, the two different reactions. So I want to read to you 2 Kings. And listen to this. This is 2 Kings and it's chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the Lord, or of the man of God, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. He's nervous. And I, I believe his reaction is the reaction of every human being that doesn't understand that our problems are an opportunity for God to be there for us. Because he's looking at this on his own. He's looking at this as we, we have no way of defeating this army. There's no way for us to win. And we're either going to be captured or killed today. We're going to either be thrown into prison or put to death. And that's how so many of us look at problems if we don't understand. We're not facing this baby by ourselves. So Elisha says this in verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Powerful statement. You'll see when I read the next verse, the servant of Elisha did, did not believe it. He didn't get it. He couldn't see it. And I just imagine what happened. This had to happen. Here, here's Elijah's servant. Here's Elijah. So he looks to his left, and there's nobody there. He looks to his right. He sees an old prophet, and he, he says, everybody says you're crazy. I think they're right because it's just you and me. One, two, thousands, swords, chariots, one, Two, and he's thinking, this prophet has to be insane. He said there's more with us than with them. But Elisha saw something from God's perspective that, that the servant couldn't see. 
And so the next thing he did is what I've been doing all week for all of us. I've been praying the same kind of prayer all week long for this message. And here's the next thing that he does in verse 17. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now that changes everything when you see a perspective that you can't see. So here's this guy, this servant. He can only see through these eyes. Now God opens up and lets him see, hey, we're here. Not only is God there, thousands, probably over 10,000 angels, flaming chariots, tough big guys. Angels are way over 10 feet, 12 feet tall. These are huge beings. They're standing there with their swords out. And all of a sudden, the armies of Aram don't look all that, that bad. All of a sudden, the problem of the servant changed. And all of a sudden, some peace came and fear left because he realized, it's not me and the crazy prophet. It's me, the crazy prophet, and all of God's army. And here's something I want you to notice. Elijah didn't pray, God, come. God was already there. He said, God, open up his eyes so he can see that you're here. And I want your eyes to be open so you can see that God sees your problems as an opportunity to be there for you. And he's there and he's waiting. The rest of the story is really cool because Elijah, the next thing he does is he says, God, blind all the soldiers. So all the soldiers are blinded. He takes their weapons and he leads them back to the Israeli camp. And so they're, they're holding shoulders and walking like this. And when he gets into Israel's camp, all the Israeli soldiers surround these soldiers. And then Elisha prays, Lord, open up their eyes. And then they see themselves really, really trapped. And they're thinking, we're going to die today. And the king of Israel looked at the prophet and he said, can we kill him? Can we, can we kill him? And the prophet looked at him and said, no, we're not going to kill him. He goes, oh, come on, let us kill him. Let's kill him. Let's get this war over with. He said, no, we're not going to kill him. He said, I want you to, and he literally said this, I want you to make a banquet. I want you to stuff these guys, feed them our best food, and then send them back to their king. And that's what they did. And the king of Aram, after that, he, he said, I'm leaving this country. It's crazy. And he never bothered him again. But it all started with them seeing that God sees our problems as an opportunity to be there for us. So if you're here today and you walked in with some trouble, maybe some trouble came, maybe it's been there, I want you to understand that God is there with you. That's so important for you to understand. And the next thing that I want to show you is that God sees our problems as an opportunity to grow us. It's an opportunity to grow us. And this is really, really important for you and I to understand. Several years ago, uh, my boys were just going through a really tough time in the workplace, in, in ministry. And it was a really tough time, and my wife was watching them deal with it emotionally. And her and I had a talk, and, and she was telling me, man, I wish we could just get them you know, to, to go somewhere else and to work somewhere else. I, I hate seeing my boys go through anything. And we're having this talk, and, and I really believe, I'm going to insert this before I tell you what happened, I really believe when God created man and woman that he gave man some of his strengths and some of his abilities, and he gave wo the woman some of his strengths and some of his abilities. So husbands and wives will oftentimes, one will have an ability to handle something and see it 
and then the other one will have the ability to handle it another time. And I remember looking at her because I saw, I saw the situation totally different. I did not once think that ever in a million years. And I just looked at her and I said, honey, this is the best thing in the world for the kids. This is going to cause them to build character, and this is going to cause them to grow in their emotions and in every area of their life spiritually. And then I said, you know what? No matter what they do, no matter where they do it, they're going to have bad days and they're going to have problems. And this is an opportunity for them to grow. And some of us, we need to see that and understand that God sees our problems as an opportunity to grow us. Now, we, we have to do what the Bible says during those problems to grow and come out of it. But what an incredible opportunity. And I'm not saying God brings the problems, but here's what I do know. God knew we'd have an enemy. He knows we live on a cursed earth. He knows we live with people that, that can be really nasty at times. He knows all of that. So he's, he's so smart. He said, well, here's what I'll do. I'll give them scriptures that they can use during those times. And if they use them, I'll build their spiritual muscles and they'll grow. And that's exactly what God does in every one of our lives. So listen to this scripture. It's a pretty, pretty cool scripture. And it reads like this, James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, there is no way to have great joy unless you know that God's there with you and you know this is an opportunity to work the Bible and grow some muscle. And he goes on and says this, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Oh, I like that. That's growth. The last part of that saying, you will grow spiritually. But you can't grow spiritually unless you have opposition to overcome. And so some of you are here in the middle of problems. And let me make a, something really clear. If you don't work the Bible in those problems, you won't grow. <laughs> They'll crush you. But if you find out what the Bible says and you begin to work it, it will build these incredible spiritual muscles. And what do I mean when I say that? Well, the Bible in Ephesians 6 says to put on God's armor, and it says, you know, we have a sword, so that means you speak the word, the things you have to speak the word. It tells us to pray. It tells us we have a shield and, and a helmet. And if we just do what we know to do, the Bible says, having done all to stand, stand. And, 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 and as you're doing all you know to stand and then rejoicing, it's just you and I saying, you know what? I don't see anything good with these eyes, but I believe what the Bible says, and I'm going to rejoice, not by what I see, but what God has said. And when you do that, the muscles start to grow. And I can look back, and I know so many of you could stand up right now. We can look back, and we can say there were some events in our life, some problems, whatever it might be, and we didn't really enjoy them while we went through them. But now we look back and we say, you know what? That molded character in me that I would have never had if I didn't walk through that. God sees our problems as an opportunity to be there. God sees our problems as an opportunity to grow us. Guess what? God also sees our problems as an opportunity to comfort and to strengthen us. And there's a story that comes to mind with this. And it's, it's an interesting story. It's with my daughter, Michelle, also. Uh, she was probably two or three. She became really, really sick. And we had to uh, put her, admit her into the hospital. So we admit her into the hospital. We walk into the room. I have her in my arms. She's crying in my arms. And Gina and I get involved in this conversation 
about our calendars. Like, you know, what are we going to do tomorrow? What, what appointments do we need to cancel? And uh, how do we need to set the week up? And we're just going back and forth. And she's crying in my arms, just crying there. And, and we're going back and forth. We're figuring our week out. And she literally does this. She gets up off my shoulder crying. She gets up straight in my arms. She pats herself on the shoulder and she says, don't cry, little girl. Don't cry. We're like blown away. She's comforting herself. At the moment, her and I, Gina and I felt like the worst parents on the planet at the moment. We're like, she's crying in my arm. I don't even notice her. I'm worried about what appointments do I have to change tomorrow. Of course, it was all for her, but she didn't know that. So I share the story because a little humor can help us remember points. God sees our problem as an opportunity to comfort us. And God is incredible when it comes to this thing called comfort. He's able to take uh, us when we're hurting and we're aching, and he'll do either scripture or he'll speak to our heart by the Holy Spirit, and he'll speak something to us that will cause us to have this comfort come into our life. It's just like, that makes me feel better. Thank you, God. He's so good at it. So uh, one scripture I want to read to you has to do uh, with the great text in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So listen to these verses. It reads like this, verse 4, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the first point we made. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that's the heart of God to comfort you. And then the New Testament puts it this way, really powerful, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can also comfort others when they are troubled. We are able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And I can tell you, I can have people stand up in here and tell you, there have been times in my life where a scripture just brought this incredible comfort to me or uh, God spoke something to my heart and it broke everything loose and it was like that pat on the shoulder that you're going to be okay, Joe. And I know that's happened in many of your lives, but here's why I'm sharing it today. God sees our problems as an opportunity to comfort us. I want you to begin to look to God for comfort then people will also comfort you. Did you notice what he says? We can comfort others because we've been comforted in that thing. And that's so absolutely true. And over the years, I have had to do funerals for people that lose loved ones out of timing. They, they die too early. And uh, that, that, there's nothing that, in my opinion, it just rocks your world more than that. But I can go into a situation like that and in private, I can talk to them. Because I was 18 when I lost my brother who was 20, and I can look at him and say, you know what, I know what that feels like, and here's what God spoke to my heart when that happened. Here's what God did to help me walk through this terrible time in my life, and I'm able to minister to them. And so if, if God's comforted you in something, see yourself also as someone that can comfort others during the same time. But not only does God see our problems as an opportunity to comfort us, but also strengthen us. And how many of us have been in a problem that lasted way too long? I mean, it's like, this baby's been here too long. And, and it's like, our strength is gone. 
uh, our emotional enemy, energy is drained, and it's just like we don't have the want to to keep going, and sometimes we have terrible thoughts about quitting, and all kinds of things can be going on, and we want to throw in the towel or whatever it is, walk away from it. You know, the Bible promises in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says that you and I can go to the throne of grace to ask God for help in the time of need. It's an incredible scripture. Grace in that context is referring to God's ability that supersedes our ability, God's strength that gives us strength when we don't have strength. And the Bible says we can go and we can ask God for grace. So as, as I look out amongst you, if you're here and you're ready to quit, I, I want to encourage you, as soon as you get a chance to pray at the end of service, to say, Lord, I'm coming to the throne of grace and I need some help. The apostle Paul he went to God because he had so many problems. And you know what he said to God? He said, I'd like my life to be problem-free. How many of us can believe that's a good concept, a eh? problem-free life? And, and, and God answered him back, and here's what God said. It's an interesting answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and it's referring to this messenger that was sent to cause all kinds of problems in this life. In verse 9, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My ability, my strength. Listen to this. My power works best in weakness. Or the weaker you are, the more I can turn the power up. He says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffered for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I, I don't know if you noticed the latter part of it. That's a wild verse. Did you see what he says? That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. I want to keep our doctrine straight here, but that's incredible. Here's what he's saying. I think he's like me. He doesn't want weakness. He doesn't want all the trouble. But now he's learned that when it comes, I can draw off a source from heaven, and I can be flooded with God's life, God's power, God's joy. And so he says, instead of looking at my problems as just, oh no, he says, I can look at my problems like, oh yeah, God's going to show up in a stronger way than he's ever showed up. And that's an attitude that changes everything. That's God's perspective. God was trying to give him his perspective. He said, Paul, he said, I can flood you with power, so quit complaining. Yeah, the problem's there because you live on a cursed earth, you live with crazy people, and, and you have a crazy enemy. So what? I will give you power, and I'll grow you, and I'll be there for you, and I'll comfort you, and I strengthen you. And I want to encourage some of you today that God wants to give you some strength that you have not even felt yet, but he's going to do it for you as you just ask him for it. Here, here's the next thing I saw. God sees our problems as an opportunity to rescue us, and it's incredible. Rescue doesn't always come immediately, but God promises to rescue us. And uh, a story came to mind, and this will help you remember this. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy story, and sometimes people ask me, do you make these stories up? And, and I tell them, no. I said, I think I, live a, I lived a story life, so I'd have me stories to share and messages. So uh, I was like nine, ninth grade. My brother Mike was seventh grade. And you guys heard me say Mike started fights with anybody that looked at him the wrong way. And what was funny, it, he's a little... he's in shape now and everything and has some muscle and all that 
But when he was at that age, he weighed like 120 pounds wet, and he, we used to call him Weasel. He was just a little guy. But he'd start fights with everybody. And then he'd pull me into his fights. And so one day we're in the backyard, and he says, Joe, you know those kids from the other neighborhood? He says, I called them on. He said, we're going to meet them at the dead end road where it deads end into the woods, right behind our house. He said, they're going to be here at this time, and I need you to come help me. We're, he said, we're going to fight them. I said, Mike, none of our other brothers are home. I said, the neighbor guys I could grab, they're not around. I said, it's just you and me. How many guys do they bring? And he goes, I don't care. We can take them. We can take them, Joe. <laughs> Mike, why did you do that? Well, my brother Pat, who was like, I don't know, five or six, he, he was riding his little bike. He overheard us, but we didn't know it. So we go to fight. We're at the dead end road. The woods is here. And these guys come out of the woods, and there's like six of them. A couple of them are older and bigger than I am. And I looked at Mike, and I whispered to him, I said, we're going to get killed today. And he looks at me and goes, we can take them. I said, Mike, all we're going to take today is a beating, and it's going to be a good beating. I said, I just don't want to die, and I hope they don't have knives. And so... They're coming towards us. So what does Mike do? He starts to trash talk them, just like he did me. Trash talk, trash talk. They're trash talking back, and I'm like, oh, no, get them, get them more mad than they already are. So then all of a sudden, as I know it's, gonna, it's close. The trash talking's happened. They start laughing, and they're looking at something behind us, and they're laughing at it. They don't know what it is or who it is, but it's funny to them, so they're laughing. So Mike and I don't know if there's an ambush and they're going to get us even worse. We turn around, and what do we see? We see my grandma. And uh, <laughs> this is my dad's, my dad's mom. We called her Nana. There's argument in our family whether she was 4'6 or 4'8. And 4'8 would make a huge difference in this story. But uh, So just imagine 4'8, you know. And, and it's the funniest thing. She always had a dress on, always had her hair up in a bun. This just little tiny lady, and she wore these black, boots that came up to her ankles that were laced up the center. We used to call them nun boots because all of the nuns in the Catholic school wore them. So we just said, Nana wears nuns boots. And, and uh, so she's walking. In this hand, she has a broom, just, just a little broom, not a big broom. And in this hand, she has a chain. And, and our dog, our dog King is pulling her. So she's walking like this while King pulls her. And King is a mixture collie German shepherd. So uh, I was glad he was there because I felt he could even the fight out. So I was happy about that. And right next to her is my little brother, Pat, at the time. He's just riding this bike with Nana, you know. And she gets close, and these guys don't know it's our grandma. And she gets close, and, and she puts the broom up, and she goes, you boys leave my grandkids alone, or are you going to get it? And, uh, and then King's pulling like this, wanting to, wanting to be loose. Funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, these guys, they're not afraid of my grandma. They're afraid of the dog. And they trash talk Mike a few more times, and they say, we'll, we'll, we'll take this up later. And they go back into the woods. And I'm walking back, so glad to have seen my nana. A little bit embarrassed that I was saved with a broom and my grandma. But I share the story to help you remember something. God sees our problems as an opportunity to rescue us, and it's not nana coming with a dog. It's God, man. You guys realize God can rescue us out of anything? 
He's absolutely incredible. So I have a psalm for you. It's Psalm 91, just a part of it. Incredible psalm. I encourage you to read it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read beginning in verse 14 in a moment. And one of, one of our uh, ushers, he walked up to me after first service. He said, I memorized that psalm this week. And he quoted these verses. He quoted these verses to me. I, I was just ready to jump out of my skin. I said, if I knew that, I would have had you come up and, and just quote it in front of everybody. But, but here's verses 14 and 15. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. So this is for every Christian. It acknowledges Christ as their Savior. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. God's a rescuer. It may take longer than we think, but remember, he's growing us. Remember, he's comforting. Remember, he's strengthening us. Remember, he's there. You're not alone, man. That's important to remember, but he also wants to rescue us. Now, remember how we talked about Paul saying, I don't want any troubles in my life? Now we're going to read a verse where he's ready to die. He's lived his whole life. He's learned things now. He's experienced God. And he says this in 2 Timothy 4.18, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever amen and i want you to walk out of here with this scripture as a promise the heart of god is to rescue us from every evil work and paul's saying i experienced it there's nothing that i went through that he didn't rescue me from and i want to close with one more thought guys how many of us can agree that sometimes a problem leaves us empty devastated without hurt and you know the bible promises us something else and it's right here. God sees our problem as an opportunity for him to restore us. And God is a God that restores. And I love this scripture. It reads like this, Joel 2.25. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar. And he's just referring to things that the enemy in life has stolen. Do you notice what he said? I'll restore it. And sometimes relationships break and that relationship may never be able to be restored, but God will give you other relationships. And, but you know what? Whatever happens in your life, God's a restoring God. And just think of one more story. This is Bible Day Joseph in the Old Testament. At 17 years of age, his brother sold him as a slave. Can you imagine how terrible that was? 17. Didn't even enjoy his life yet. 17. Sold as a slave. He spent 13 years in Egypt as, as a slave and also in jail. 13 years in that position. And you know what? God gave Pharaoh a dream. Pharaoh couldn't interpret it. And God rescued Joseph with that ability. And Joseph interpreted the dream. And not only did God rescue him out of prison, God restored his life. And when God restores our, our life, he always takes us to a better and higher place. This is a cool story. He became second in command in the most powerful nation on the earth at the time, he became second to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, everything in the kingdom you will run and control. The only thing that I will do that you don't do is I'm the one on the throne. But other than that, you're running and overseeing the whole kingdom. And I really believe that God wants to do some of those types of things in our lives. It may not be so dramatic, but what a picture God's painted for us. And if you're sitting there and a problem has devastated your life, I want to get you to focus from this moment on that God sees our problems as an opportunity to restore us. That's really, really exciting. 
God is there with us. God grows us through it. God comforts and strengthens us. God rescues us. God restores us. And wherever you're at, you might be on the other side. You might have watched God do these things. You might be right in the middle. Wherever you're at, can we take a moment and can we just let God know we love him, we appreciate him, and can we thank him that he's the God that sees these things as an opportunity. He rescues us and he restores us. Let's give him a shout. Let's give him a thanks. Go ahead and do that right now, Lord. We thank you. We appreciate it, Lord God, so much. Now let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I need strength. Let's go to the throne of grace right now. Father, if there's anyone in the middle of a problem right now that needs strength, we come with them and together with them, we ask you to give them grace to overcome, to walk through, and to conquer whatever they're dealing with in their life. And Lord, to have the life and strength and energy that they need. Lord, I also pray for those that need comfort that you would do that supernaturally right now. I know you've been doing it through the service, but Lord, comfort them. And Lord, all of us thank you for opening up our hearts and our eyes today. And we thank you and rejoice in our future rescue and restoration. And Lord, I just thank you for making all of us able to see, opening up our eyes and to see our problems from your perspective. Guys, let's keep praying. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes if we're not already doing that? Let's pray one more prayer. If you're here and you're not sure of your forever, your eternity, I want to give you a chance to be sure of your forever. You know, the Bible says that all men have sinned and we've all fallen short of God's standard. All of us have. And that's why God sent his son Jesus. And Jesus came to die for our sins so we can live and we can go to heaven. And after he died on the cross, the Bible says God put his sins, our sins on him. He was buried, spent three days, three nights in the grave, and then God raised him up from the dead. And Jesus is alive and Here's what Jesus said, and it's changed history. It's changed history. He said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you come to me, you'll go to heaven. I'll forgive you. He said, you can't work for it, but if you trust in me, I'll, I'll cause it to happen in your life. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's the question, and because we live in America, which is a, a nation that intellectually people know about Christianity, Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. I'm not asking you if you belong to a church, if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. I'm not asking that question. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm asking you a question. Can you remember a time when you made it personal with Jesus and you asked him to be your savior? And if you can't, the Bible does say that if you call on his name, he'll save you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I believe what I just heard. I'm ready to pray and accept Christ. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the building, would you help them out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. God raised you from the grave. And this day, I receive you as Savior, and I make a decision to give you my life and to follow you. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.